Hey, everybody. Welcome to SG Squared. I'm so glad you've joined us for this episode. We're going to be talking about some things that I know after 35 years of being in small group ministry, that this is one of the most highest felt needs we have. And that is we're going to talk about, you know, some of the common objections that people have to joining a small group. Now, what's great about in this episode is that we're going to also look at some time-tested strategies for overcoming those objections. Because when you overcome the object- objections, what happens is, is you move from uh, your small group to them having buy-in to saying it's our small group. Now, as you're going through this episode, you're going to uh, hear some, or you're going to hear some videos that we refer to, and you can go into the show notes and you can watch those videos. But also, you're going to hear us talking about a planner, and I would really encourage you to go into those show notes and to look at the planner because without a plan and without accountability, you're never going to achieve some of the objectives that you're wanting to. So uh, enjoy this episode that we have talked about and we're pulling it a little bit from the archives, but it's time tested and you'll love it. So enjoy this time and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. How do you connect people in your church? How do you meet them where they're at? So often people have the mentality of it's all about me. You take care of me. How do you start to even begin to get it to where you own the value of connecting the people in your church? Well, what I've learned over the years is it starts with you. So many people come up to me and they say, hey, Pastor Steve, um, you know, we have about 30% of our church connected. Is that good? Uh, Pastor Steve, we have about 50% of our church connected. Is that good? Pastor Steve, we have about 70% of our church connected. Is that good? There is no right answer. But your church will only be as connected as you are dreaming and praying and hoping for. If you're at 30%, dream of the day that you'll get to 35%. If you're at 50%, dream of the day you're at 60%. But for your fill-in right there, the big question is, how do you bring 110% of the people in and connect them to life-changing community? And so many are saying, well, you know, that's more than our church. (laughs) You got it. Uh, In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when... Adam was in the most perfect environment known to mankind, which was the Garden of Eden. In the most perfect environment, God uttered the words, it is not good for you to be alone. How much more in a broken, destroyed world is it important for people to connect and find community through Christ? And it's going to start with you. When I came on staff, I'm starting my 10th year now at Saddleback. I remember when we dreamed of the day that we'd have more people connected than the average weekend. And for now, for about the last almost two, three years, we have been running more in groups than we have on our average adult weekend attendance. Now, the great thing is that this really ticks Rick off. Uh, So it's just fun to be in a meeting and say, dude, if you could be a preacher and bring him in, maybe we could do something. So... No, uh, I would never say that. So let's talk about some ways that you can connect to church. Number one, be intentional. Remove the barriers and focus on the benefits. Remove the barriers, 
focus on the benefits. John chapter 10 says, I know the sheep, and the sheep know me. You're going to find out connection is more than coffee and cookies before you do group or before you do anything on the campus. It is about community, and it is about connection. And you've got to understand the mindset of where the people are coming from when they say they don't want to be a part of group life. You've got to think first, what are the barriers that are hitting with people? Now, when you answer that, you can address the concerns. And one of the things we did at Saddleback was to help alleviate people's concern is we interviewed a couple and kind of in the shadows of a room, we interviewed them and discussed what are the top five barriers and then answered those barriers so people could get connected into a group. Why don't you watch this? Bob and I have been married for several years now, and we've always wanted to connect with other people, but when it comes to being part of one of these small groups, well, we've always heard that they're, how do I put this, weird. Yeah, weird. Really weird, and that being a part of these groups is sort of like belonging to a cult of some kind. There's no way we'd fit into a group like that. Besides, even if everyone is fairly normal, the whole thing seems really scary. I mean, we're not very spiritual. We're just afraid that we won't be able to meet their standards. To be honest, neither of us are very good at sticking to a strict religious routine. All right, you spiritual babies! If you want to be in my small group, it's going to take dedication and sacrifice and the will to birth of air. You need to be all you can be. Do you understand? Sir, yes, sir! I can't hear you! Sir, yes, sir! It's not better now, drive it, give me 20! Bob's also worried about how being in a small group might somehow intrude on our privacy. Yeah, if there's one thing I like, it's my personal privacy. Oh, no, the Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. It's close here. Yeah, let's go. Oh, my God. 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 Oh, I guess an even bigger problem is our lack of time. Yeah, we're really busy. Too busy, especially for a small group. There's just no way it could work out. 
being in a small group just takes up so much time. Okay, so we have this intertestamental period right here between the Old and the New Testament. So, what I need you to do before next week is to read 1st and 2nd Chronicles and make sure you memorize all of the descendants' names. Also, I'll probably need you to write uh, about an 8,000 word essay on those descendants and how they relate to the intertestamental period, paying special attention to the Maccabean Revolt and the prophetic writings found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, please, people, please, also before next week, memorize these Bible passages. Ezekiel chapter 6, 11 to 14, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and chapter... You know, we couldn't even go if we wanted to. We have three small children. Yeah, and babysitters cost a fortune these days. What would we do with the kids? It was such a blessing having you here, and next time, don't even worry about finding a babysitter. No, we've got the perfect solution. Many of you email me, those kids deserve that. Uh, but you have to decide what are the barriers that are going to stop people. And the number one that's going to be there is child care. It's going to be child care. And there's two, we've listed a number of things that are right there other than what the video prescribed to do, although that's not too bad. Uh, but there's a couple of things that I would encourage you to do to highlight. One is that one of the things we just started at Saddleback was we've got uh, kids involved in the small group. We call them family groups. And tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, at one of the Q&A sessions, Rick Bradford's going to be doing one on family small groups. If you've got child care issues, that would be a great place for you to go to tomorrow. Another thing I just want to highlight to you that is, is just great to permeate the culture, especially in the um, high school ministry there, is number six. And that is... What greater value than for the high school guys or girls to learn that how they can express ministry, which I know you're going to learn about a little bit later about serving to the church, than to offer free babysitting to the couples groups that need it. But what it boils down to is for a couple that's saying, I can't attend group because of childcare, if you handed them Super Bowl tickets, or you handled them, you know, opera tickets or something like that, they would make a way for it. And even in my own group, about a year, uh, almost two years ago now in January, when we did our group health plan that you're going to get to be able to start this session, we in the area of fellowship said we've been using childcare as an excuse. And for us with a special needs kid, it's 30 to 40 bucks every week just on childcare. But we all stacked hands and said, if we believe this group matters, then nothing will stop us. And so it boils down to a priority issue more than it does a child care issue. But there are some tactical things you can do. Fear of intimacy, lack of spiritual maturity is, a, is another thing. People think they're not spiritual uh, mature enough. They think they're going to get quizzed on Bible uh, questions and answers. Um, time availability. Everybody has 168 hours a week. Your job is to help them spend it wisely. Then lack of biblical literacy and then maybe some past issues they had. Now, what are some of the benefits of group life? 
Let's uh, kind of take some audience participation. Just kind of raise your hand and we'll get you to scream them out. It's good scream therapy for you. What are some of the benefits? Well, that's why we're doing this conference, obviously. <laughs> what was that? Support. There's one you can fill in. There get support. What else? Accountability. Over here. You live longer. It's very true. Stats would say that in community. Right over here. Intercession. You have people that are praying for you. My small group is just sending me emails saying, I'm praying for you. Someone else. Right over here. Spiritual growth, that's another one of the great benefits. A few others. Relationships, friendships. The list can go on and on. At Saddleback this past New Year's Eve, we did a, um, a service, and we uh, just tried it out. And We said, hey, let's bring all the kids into the auditorium, because normally we have our own kids program, but on New Year's weekend, things are kind of, uh, you know, distorted, and, you know, people are gone a lot, so the numbers were down like at every other church, and so we just brought the kids in. And, um, and this happened to me because in, the, in the, uh, our message notes, we, we were told to write one thing you're thankful for. And I want to show you this, this particular one. kind of came in there pretty quick. Um, but in the message notes right there was a box for you to write something to be thankful for. And, and then I looked a little bit closer at the person sitting next to me, and I will blow it up for you here. It says, everyone in my small group, now, what's interesting, one of the greatest benefits for me is that was my eight-year-old sitting next to me. And I said, honey, uh, what do you mean everybody in your small group? And one of the things we've taught our kids to do is because families are so fragmented, we don't call everybody by their first and last name like Mr. and Mrs. Hertog, Mr. Hertog. We have our kids call the adults in our small group Aunt Janet and Uncle John, Aunt Gina and Uncle Tyra. And so what's happened is, is that because of the culture we have built, my eight-year-old daughter feels that the kids that are in the other siblings, that she is intertwined. She goes, that is my small group, and I'm thankful for that. When you get stuff like that happening, you don't get any better benefits. Turn to the next page there on page uh, 50. The second thing you're trying to connect people is you need to share Jesus' dream of finding a shepherd for every sheep. Matthew 9 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Have you ever noticed that when you're trying to buy something, either a brand new pair of shoes or a new car or anything new that you're trying to buy, that all of a sudden you see it everywhere? If you're looking for a new car, all of a sudden you see that car all over the place. Why? Because your eyes are trained to look for it. Imagine in every one of your churches if every one of them had Jesus' eyes and that they were trained not to see new cars or new widgets, but if they were trained to see people harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. How many of you have uh, ever bought a house before? Raise your hand. My house. When you went to buy a house and your realtor was showing you around and they showed you the first house and you said, ah, I really don't, don't like this. They didn't say, ah, oh, man, 
that's, that's, that's a bummer because that's the only one we got. There's nothing more to show you. No, a realtor is tenacious. They will show you houses till Jesus comes if you will stay in their car. They want to make sure you get connected. Can you imagine if we had that same mentality? Sometimes it's so come see, come saw. You come to our church and it's just like, oh, you know, well, if you find a group, that's great. But you need to be tenacious. You need to have the mindset of a realtor and say, my job is to make sure you get connected. If it concerned Jesus enough, it ought to concern you. The third thing right there is that you need to utilize all communication avenues for getting people connected. I love this one phrase. It says, make fellowship a verb. You need to be aggressive. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. And I don't say that, oh, we're at a Christian conference, we better at least pray a little bit, so let's put prayer. But prayer changes things. I've seen prayer supernaturally work into my life. I'm not scared of signs and wonders because I know the devil is just as real, and I believe in prayer. Personal invitations. Personal invitations was the first time that we turned people loose to not becoming a part of a group, but we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but going out and inviting others to the group. I saw this article that's up on your screen from the USA Today, and it says, life connections aren't all plugged in. And it just goes on to share that people are starved for real connections that can happen. Pulpit announcements, you've always got to make it clear. We're always trying to make it clear at Saddleback. People, if you're new to Saddleback, you have one or two steps. You get into a small group or you go to class 101. Because we know if you go to class 101, we're going to push you to a small group. And we know if you go to a small group, we're going to push you to class 101. It's pretty simple. It's just a tight loop. They don't need to know it. They think, oh, I'm going to dodge that bolt. I'm going over here. And so we know it's going to get them to the end result. But you've got to be clear from the platform what's a person's next step. Classes and events, just whenever, we never do an event for an event's sake. We always do an event so that people can have an opportunity to connect with like-minded people. This weekend, we have a, a couple's retreat that's going on. And our couple's pastor is not trying to just do a couple's retreat. He's trying to make sure people get connected into group life. Uh, bulletin and websites, uh, you know, being able to, to utilize the bulletin. I just, uh, this uh, article uh, just a few months ago from Newsweek, it says, putting the we in web. Almost uh, nine years ago, a group of us went up to meet with this lady who runs TalkCity.com. And what was interesting is she has built, what intrigued us so much about her, is she built a network of um, uh, chat groups, and her organization was 80% volunteer-driven. Does that sound like anything we do? And what was interesting is that in each one of her chat rooms, she had a host. She also had a bouncer, uh, so we don't need those in our small group, uh, but they, they had a host. What was fascinating is that it was organic in its nature. Now, I'm not a chat room person. I mean, I'm not one to say, you know, hey, after the conference, I'm going to hop onto a chat room and type to people. I mean, that is not who I am. 
But what intrigued me about her was 10 years ago, she would average 1.2 million unique users in her chat rooms. Now, right now, so many of them are dominated by things that we don't promote. But what I'm saying is here on the web, we've got to figure it out. So often the church says, I guess everybody's doing it. It's about time we got the gospel in there. So those of you that have the passion that can crack the code, I'm hoping at the 08 conferences that we're doing, we're trying virtual groups this year. And we're trying to figure out what, is, what can unlock that code. So I just want to encourage you, don't be dormant about that, but try to figure out a way and let's do the kingdom work together. Small group table at the weekend service. If you, I mean, at Saddleback, you go out on the patio, you'll see a table just for people to get connected up or sign up. Testimonies, if you're not using testimonies in your service, testimonies are the satisfied customer. The pastor is the used car salesman. Who would you rather hear from? The satisfied customer. I won't put you up to that. Some of you have pastors here. The other thing is target communities. And there's communities, whenever you have a new community going up, we have 9,000 homes being built here over the next three to five years within a few miles of Saddleback Church. Those are on our radar. We are going after those communities. We will get those communities. Number, um, number four, view transitions as strategic times to help people connect. Significant events. One of the things we learned here at Saddleback Church, and you can figure out your own cultural piece is that we think of significant events, you know, kind of like we, we put right there, like baptisms, baby, baby dedications, weddings, things like that. A couple things we learned is that we have such a large uh, Pacific Rim population that one of the things that we've done through our, our, uh, our Pacific Rim speaking type of groups is they threw a Lunar New Year's party or a Chinese New Year's party here on our campus. And they did it for almost all for free. But they had 2,000 people throughout the community on here because of it's Chinese New Year's. Now, you could Caucasians sitting in the audience, you're like going, so? The problem is that's what we're thinking. What we got to do is figure out what connects people and help them out. The 25-year fall of Saigon was just a few years back, and great opportunity to do a significant event. Struggles? You know, one of the greatest struggles that faces us right now is uh, guys getting shipped off and gals getting shipped off to a war. And so what we did is we tried to embrace it. And I want to show you this picture right here. This is one of our small groups in Kuwait right now. And so what we're doing is we're saying when you get shipped out, we're starting a small group. And what a more captive audience than to be in the Persian Gulf area or the Middle East because men and women are pretty excited to get to know Jesus in that zone. And so this is uh, 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 Quint, one of the guys that was in a ministry here. He got shipped off, got deployed for six months. And so he just took it and we're starting a small group over there. So I just love it. And it's just, you know, so many cool things are happening. Spiritual steps, seasonal beginnings and starts and stops. The great thing is just that call out right there. God uses both change and pain to make people receptive to the gospel and to connect other people. Turn to page 52. 
And this is going to be a, a challenging page. This is the beauty about Saddleback. We purposely mess things up so you don't think we have it all together. Uh, and this page is just way messed up, so we're going to have a whole lot of fun with it. Uh, but number five right there is unleash the power of the campaign strategy. There's two strategies we use in the church, and you're going to see it in point five and point six here. Uh, point five is our decentralized strategy, and it's called, called our host strategy. If you've ever done things um, such as 40 days of purpose or 40 days of community, and here are two uh, things that are over in the resource room that you can kind of uh, see right here. Uh, 40, days of, 40 days of purpose and 40 days of community. These, this is the time that we grew exponentially in our small group ministry. And I'll run some of those stats with you. But I want you to give you a look and feel of what we experienced on our celebration uh, Sunday after going through 40 days of purpose. And so watch this video right here. I think you'll love it. It'll kind of give you a sense of the energy of what was happening. Things you've done, you have done. 
Campaign strategy was one that just rocked our church. I just want to walk through some of the points. The one thing is, is we just changed the terminology. We used to call our small group leaders lay pastors, and we, we got them by the tens. <laughs> then we uh, changed the name to shepherd leaders, and we got them by the hundreds. But for whatever reason, when we started calling them a host which is the uh, acrostic you can see right there, have a heart for people, open up your home, serve a snack, and turn on the DVD player. When we called them hosts, we got them by the thousand. Now here's the interesting thing for you sociologists out there. We never change the requirements to be a leader. What we did is we just lowered the bar mentally, and they're like, oh, I can host, but I can never be a leader. Well, that's okay. Then you just get in here and you just do these things and ask these questions. They're going, okay, but I'm only going to host. I'm not going to lead a group. That's okay. You don't have to lead it. You just go out there and do it. Now, the other thing that uh, came through with that is that Rick cashed in uh, both his brilliance and also his 25 years at Saddleback at that time. And he said, if our church has ministered to you, it's your time to minister to the community. And he uh, talk to people about going out and inviting your friends with a user-friendly curriculum. And I'll never forget when we were in staff meeting, we were in a management team meeting, and he would go, you know, how many groups do we usually start when we do a campaign? We'd usually do what we call connection events. And we'd usually start anywhere from two to 300 groups. He goes, that's great. I want to start 3,000 groups. And then he goes, you guys just fix, figure it out, and I'll see you later. And it was just like, you know, it's just like, okay, let's pass out the Prozac. Okay. Uh, but the whole thing was is we had to think about how we did things differently. Now, I want to give you a few stats. Don't get wowed by the numbers, but I want you to get wowed by the principles that are transferable to your church. Because when we, when we were going into 40 Days of Purpose, we had 825 groups. With the number of people who picked up curriculum and started and were running groups, we had 2,153. When we came out of the campaign, February of the next year, we had 1,456 groups. Now, you can view that of one of two ways. We lost around 700 groups, or we gained 700 groups. And what I would tell you is that the people who didn't come back and, and do another curriculum and stick together as a group, it wasn't because they didn't have a good experience, but it's because life got in the way, our infrastructure wasn't in place, a lot of things weren't in place. So much so that when 40 days of community came around two days later, our retention rate went from 48% to 72% when our infrastructure was in place. But it came from and what these graphs are trying to show you, but they may not show you too well, is it came from not getting people, not going to a person and say, hey, why don't you come to my group? It was going to this guy 
and saying, if you believe in this stuff, you grab three or four of your friends and you start a group and I'll help make sure you do well. Let me read you this email that came. Pat and uh, Tom and Pat um, have some friends that they wanted to invite to do a group. When the opportunity came to host a group during 40 days, they were thrilled to help. They invited many of their friends, and they were assigned one couple from the church, because what we did is we tried to help connect people uh, to the church, just, you know, whoever wanted to get into some of these groups. On the first night, only Bill and Sue showed up to Pat and Tom's group. They were the couple that the church had sent them to go check out the group. Even though Pat and Tom were disappointed with the turnout, they decided to go ahead and show the, the first video anyways. At the end of the video, Rick Warren asked people to pray a prayer of commitment to Christ. After the first session was over, Tom wanted to press on with the discussion, but the Lord prompted him, and Bill and Sue asked if anyone in the group, now imagine it's their couple and two other people, uh, they said, hey, did anybody happen to accept Christ? Bill looked up and said, I did. Sue followed with, so did I. For the next five weeks, those two couples met together as a small group and continued on. Now, this is the point. It doesn't matter if your group is four or 44. If God, if you're called to lead a group, it doesn't matter who comes to the group or the numbers of groups. And what I have found is that the, more, the smaller the group, the more intimate you can be. Top of page 53, a couple other things that happened in the host strategy. Is it put responsibility on the host to fill the group? Kind of what I modeled to you with this gentleman in the front. They filled the group with people they had already had relationship with. So it wasn't about them going to strangers. They just went to their friends and say, hey, would you want to do a six-week group with us for what on earth am I here for? Of course, we talked about the senior pastor buy-in. It was a short-term commitment. We didn't hassle anybody. We said, just try it for six weeks. If you don't want to continue on, that's okay. A lot didn't, but a lot did. The small group was the distribution point of the campaign. If you wanted the book, if you wanted the key tags, if you wanted anything, you had to go to the small group instead of our patio. And the host needed support uh, from someone that can encourage them. That was one of our big learnings is putting that community leader thing more into focus and then topics that were user-friendly. Here's the bottom line. Doing a campaign is messy. When we were at the celebration uh, service, I mean, this place was packed, and I'll never forget, and is one of the few times in Saddleback's history that I can remember, we did open mic discussion. And we said, hey, just do a praise report, and we passed a mic around. And I remember a gentleman stood up, he was over here, and he said, hey, I did a group, and I loved it. And I'm like going, oh, that's good, I like that. He goes, yeah, I love my group. And he goes, and then once I started my group, I realized that you had to do class 101. I go, oh, that's our membership class. You were always supposed to be a member, but okay, I can deal with that. And then he goes, and then I went to class 101, and they said you needed to know Jesus. So I accepted Christ in that group. And I went, <laughs> of all the guys that are, you know, talking, what's, where is our system at? And then he goes, uh, and then I learned you had to be baptized, so I got baptized too. And he goes, woo, my group rocks. And I'm like going, that is not how we want it to happen. (laughs) But I'll tell you, I baptized so many people over there, and the ones you saw in the video 
uh, from before, every one of those people, they were people I'd go, because uh, one of the values at Saddleback, we like to bring the, the host into the water with the people when we baptize them. I'd be going, you know, are you in a group? And they go, yeah, our group's right up there. And I go, where's the leader? And they go, I'm the leader. And I'm just like going, oh, no, it doesn't happen this way at Saddleback. But here's the principle. You can structure for growth or you can structure for control. If you're a detailed person, you have to know what's happening in every group for you to sleep at night, you're not going to see much growth. The other thing we use is number six, is it's use the connection events as a strategy to get attenders in groups. And for those of you that may not have your senior pastor on board with group life and what you're trying to do, this is a great alternative. Because what it is, it is just getting a group of people who already attend your church and offer a connection on a night to be able to say, hey, if you're feeling disconnected, why don't you get connected? Because one of the great things that Rick does in 101 is Rick says, if you're not in a small group in the first year, you'll leave Saddleback Church because you won't have your friends. And so we tell people, you know, come to an event. We hold a, an event on the campus and you can see some of the primary benefits there is that we bring people onto this campus who are unconnected, put them around round tables, go through these four discussion questions at the bottom. It's about a two and a half hour event, and all they're doing is just sharing with each other at the table. We have some tables mark couples, some mark singles, some mark men, some mark women, and we just do uh, let them just make a connection. And then once they've made a connection, You'll see that on the next page, page 54, we do, do a process to help them select the leader. Now, you can go out this one of two ways. If you don't have any leaders, you let them select the most relevant person that has the strongest spiritual life journey, who has the, the most character about them, and who's most qualified. You let them select the host. The more ideal approach is you find people in your church who want to plant small groups and that they will be sitting at the tables and they'll launch the group and then after six weeks, they'll help raise the leader. Whichever, which, which either style you want to use, you need to see that box right there in the middle and that is you need to have some kind of strategy for the connecting people in your church. I don't care if it's our connection strategy or our host strategy, or whatever strategy you want to do, the bottom line is you own it. Let me give you a real practical suggestion about this. I'm going to try and make this through. Um, my son, as I told you, is a special needs kid. And as a dad, when I take him to the playground, my prayer is the same. It's, God, would you help him connect with some kid? I don't care. Just let him connect with some kid so that he can, so that he can play together. And as a dad, as I'm sitting on the picnic tables and I watch him navigate the playground, in honesty, it can just be brutal. And my prayer will never change. And... Uh, Fortunately, more times than not, God has set some people in his life. And I've had painful times where he's come home and 
He said, um, that's why I know the conference is going to be halfway good because a lot of this stuff has happened in the last week. But he came home from kindergarten and he said, uh, he goes, Daddy, they, uh, they made fun of me. And they go, uh, they say I'm different. And as a dad, those are the most painful Those are the most painful words to hear. But now let's change the playground a little bit. And let's call the playground church. And it's not me. It's your heavenly father. And he has some kids that he sends into your playground called church or your neighborhood or in your life and he's just praying, won't somebody connect with the person I created? Won't one of you play with the person that I want connected? I got this email from one of our small group leaders. And it said, yesterday I was asked to do a funeral for a young man named Gary who died suddenly from Lou Gehrig's disease. While meeting with the family this morning, I discovered that Gary had been invited to attend a small group hosted by Jim and his wife, Christine. Now the great news. After several weeks of the Bible study, I mean a small group and inviting Gary to join them, Jim was able to lead Gary to Christ just 42 days before his death. We all know what would have been Gary's future had Jim not invited him to the group. Because of his small group and the caring fellowship, this man's eternity is now in heaven with our Lord. You need to have some connection strategy. Number seven is provide a safe environment to help relationships go deeper once you get connected. Provide a safe environment to help people uh, feel safe once they've gotten connected. Sean, if you can help me and bring me out some Kleenex, that would be helpful so I don't like sniffle the whole time up here in front of these people. This is uh, a picture of a, let me get it up here. Yeah, it's, it's an iceberg. Thank you. I know we're at a Christian conference, and you're like going, well, I think I see Jesus' face right here. Uh, so I, I think that's what's happening. But no, it, it is just an iceberg. It's, uh, you know, in California, we're a little bit more looser. Thank you so very much. We're just a, a little bit looser. Excuse me. This is the great part about leading a conference and having 1,600 people watching wipe your nose. And not doing a real good job of it right now. But anyways, uh, this is an iceberg. I, I love this illustration because what happens more times than not is most small groups stay right here. When you provide a safe place, once people get connected, what happens is people 
start to let you peek under the water. And like an iceberg where 80% of it is generally under the water, so it is in group life, in people. There is more under the water with the people that are in your small group than you realize. And so you need to help people have that safe community. If you look on uh, the next page there, you'll see we have it broken down in an acrostic. On page 55, the S is seek authentic connections. Seek authentic connections. Create an environment where people can be real and authentic. Let your group be one where honesty isn't awkward. And let weakness be the strength in the group. You know, when, this is when I know I've hit safety in our group. And it's nothing spiritual, but it's when I don't have to shave and I don't have to change. I hate it when I got to get dressed up for group. When I'm with my friends, I can just show up the way I like. Now, my wife hates it, but I enjoy it. And the beautiful part of when you have authentic connections, people accept you for who you are. You know, the thing I love in my small group is none of the people call me Pastor Steve. I mean, they almost laugh when they do it, so I just prefer they don't do it. Uh, so Steve is just fine. But uh, the point is, is you have those authentic connections. And that last bold point is don't let the agenda drive out the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the interesting things, uh, I forget how many years back this was. I think it was like four years ago. Uh, the uh, Anaheim, I just, I mean, I love baseball. The Anaheim Angels happened to be in the World Series. It was that every 15-year lunar goof-up where they get into the World Series. But it was just exciting. And when the World Series was happening, I was just like going, I was watching each game, and I was just loving it, and, and I was praying uh, for I know it's not the most biblical thing, but I was still praying for the angels to win. And, uh, and then what happened was, is they got locked at 3-3. And I was looking at the calendar and game seven was on Thursday night, which was our group night. And it's like going, oh, but and it was at our house. And so I thought, oh, this is a good thing. So I called a few of the guys in the group and I said, hey, you know, this Thursday, um, uh, we really haven't had a great fellowship time. We haven't gone deep at all. So I said, hey, how about if we just experience the purpose of fellowship a little bit deeper, and let's watch the game together. And, uh, and I said, hey, I'll, I'll buy all the food, and, uh, and we can come eat, and we'll just have a great time watching the game. So I knew I had the guys buy in because they didn't have to pay for dinner. And so they were, they were on track with that. So then I came home, and I um, told my wife, I go, hey, a um, little change in plans uh, we're not doing group quite like we said last week, uh, but uh, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of watch the game. And she goes, oh, no, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. And I go, oh, you know, uh, it's kind of in motion, and the guys are all driving the process. And uh, so uh, we just got to roll with it. And um, I found out that the weather in my house uh, was quickly uh, becoming partly cloudy with a cold front moving rapidly in. <laughs> And um, so we, and it was so obvious too, because we're sitting in our family room and all the couples are sitting together around the TV watching the game. And Lisa and I are like catty corner from each other. So it was just one of these things that just was going bad and I was feeling guilty. And so at the seventh inning, I knew we had a little bit longer commercial break. So I said, um, I said, hey, let's do this real quick while the commercials are going. Uh, let's just do a, a quick check on our marriages. One to 10, how you doing? <laughs> And at the close, we'll pray. (laughs) 
I so badly wish this was a lie, but it's just terrible. And so I went to the first couple and I said, hey, how you doing? And I go, where are you at? And, and the girl, uh, trying to leave it halfway anonymous since we're in our, our turf right here, um, she goes, yeah, it's a two. I'm like going, crap. Uh. Or, or crap if, for those of you that are a little bit more conservative. Uh. But I said, darn. And... Uh, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. And I said, well, a two, two's not bad. Uh, <laughs> if you've been married longer than a week, you have nines and tens, and you have ones and twos. So it's just, it's just part of life. And she goes, uh, no, it's a two. And she starts crying. Oh, I'm just like, oh, man. And... Uh, <laughs> We're coming out of commercial break, and I'm just like, oh. So my wife is mouthing to me, turn the TV off. And, uh, so I muted it, and uh, oh. <laughs> Dude, you would have thought the exorcist happened in my house. It was like... Oh my gosh, I mean, I'm sorry, I missed the button. Uh, so, uh, long story short, an hour and 15 minutes later, we prayed with that couple, we laid hands on that couple, we loved on the couple. I never got to see the end of the game. <laughs> but I did buy TiVo. Uh, uh, Now, what did the Holy Spirit want to do that night? He wanted to minister to that couple. What did the pastor want to do? I just wanted to see the game. It wasn't like a, a mortal sin or anything, you know. It was just like, I just want to see it. But never let the Holy Spirit be subject. Whenever you plan the best Bible study, that's when God wants to do something else. The A, accept one another. Listening skills. This is hearing versus listening. I'm going to give you way too much insight into my marriage. Statistics will say at the quickest you can speak 150 words a minute. Quickest. But they'll say statistically you can listen and process 650 words. So that leaves about 500 words for your mind to do many things with, which we call multitasking. When you don't accept one another by giving them your full attention, you're robbing them. You can't relationally skim. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but um, I was talking to my wife and um, kind of doing some email while I was talking to her at night. And um, she said something. I go, uh-huh. And she goes, I want you to tell me what I just said. <laughs> oh. I'm like going, oh, geez. I go, I know this game, and it doesn't end well. Um, and so I did the huh. And uh, she goes, I want you to tell me what I just said. And, you know, I'm not too charismatic, uh, but I was like going, you know, God, 
a word of knowledge would be incredible right now. Just give me the first couple words and I'll build from there, you know, get me close. Um, but she goes, no, I want you to tell me. And I said, well, if you want me to tell you what you just said, you just said, you know, tell me what I just said. I mean, hey. <laughs> For those of you that are, that are married, I wouldn't recommend you ever to say a statement like that in a moment like that. But the bottom line was, is I was relationally skimming. I didn't have a clue. If you're going to do and build a safe environment, people got to know you're listening to them. You have eye contact with them, that you're following along with them. The F is focused leadership, conflict resolution, which we're going to talk about on page uh, 64 uh, a little bit later on. Extra grace required people. Um, I wrote an article on the next two pages about that that you can read um, during a, a boring session of the conference. But extra grace required people, these are the people, as soon as I said that, these are the people that you want to get plugged into another group other than yours. Uh, these are the people that we describe as the heavenly sandpaper. These are just the people that, as soon as I'm describing them, you're thinking of a name right away. You know who they are. Some of them are at your table, I know. Uh, the issue is, is that every small group has an extra grace required person. And if you can't think of who yours is in your group, it's probably you. Uh, so, but here's the thing, and you can read about this in the article I wrote. Just understand, Jesus died for those folks too. And this do things, deal with late people. If you've got chronically late people, let them be the house where they host the group. So you just drive to them. Uh, don't put another thing on their plate. Encourage shared ownership. Just a couple pages I'll give you so you can uh, track with this. Is um, Use the small group guidelines. This is page 143. You can just write these page numbers and look at it a little later. Uh, page 143, it's just, a, it's just a, like a covenant. It's just saying, hey, we're on, on the same page. Use the small group evaluation on page 144. Periodically, just asking your group what's working, what's not, and what's next. And then subgroup, whenever you get four or more people. In session eight, we're going to go into a lot of detail about subgrouping. The bottom line here is on encouraging shared ownership is your fill-ins right there. It's when you have ownership, you move from your group to our group. You move from your group to our group. And then the other thing you have to remember is that when numbers go up, care goes down. And in the evangelism section, we're going to talk to you about how you can grow your group as big as you like and still have community. Now, here's the beauty about this. I want you to start two planners. So I want you to turn to page 126 and 127. One twenty-six looks like this. What I want you to be able to do is focus on these two boxes right here under fellowship. Use page one twenty-seven, and in this box, mark. What are we currently doing in the area of fellowship with our small group? And then 
what's one next step where we could deepen fellowship in our personal small group? Now, how many of you are in a small group? Just raise your hand. Okay, how many of you aren't? <laughs> oh, just, 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 shouldn't. Sorry, it's too easy to ask that. Uh, pretend it's your own small group or a small group that you would like to have community with. So what I want you to do is answer this question. What are you currently doing? What's one step you could grow in? So turn to page 127 if you need some ideas. And I'm going to give you about five minutes to do that little exercise, and then we're going to talk to you about the church planner. Just so you know, we're going to start the planners, and then we're going to continue to build them out throughout the conference. Okay, let's try and wrap it up a little bit. Let's just uh, close in prayer. Dear Jesus, Lord, I thank you that you are here today. I thank you, Lord, that I couldn't quiet them down, but you could. Amen. Okay. Um, now what I want to do, I know it's brutal, but that's life suffered with me through it. Welcome to my life with my family. We're going to build this small group planner out throughout the next three days. And then I'm going to show you how you can incorporate people to help your group become balanced. That's your personal small group. Now, we're going to talk about your church planner. I want you to turn to page 133. And at the very top of page 133, you can say an action learning plan for... And put your church in there. I'll write Saddleback, February 2007. And in the area of fellowship, the aspect of fellowship... I want you to fill out the box called dream. What would you dream for your church? And then fill in what may be the obstacle or barrier. Again, don't fill in the action part yet. We're going to do that at the close. But what I want you to do is you can look at page 134. And I've kind of broken some things down and just to barriers and dreams that I had here in the 20 years I've been doing small groups. And that is, I put a little section on connecting people, influencing the church culture, communicating the value of groups, and measuring progress. Now, they're all good, but what would be, what would the Holy Spirit spark in your mind when you're thinking about connecting? What do you feel your church needs? And you may say, well, Pastor Steve, I'm not the small group point person. I don't care. Uh, you know, God brought you here to help your church. And what I want you to be able to do is in the off times, maybe go to the people that you're a part of you with your church and say, what did you put down? And you'll have a Holy Spirit moment. So tuck in personally with yourself right now. And I want you to, in looking at page 134, start to fill in the first two squares right there on the church planner.
What would you dream and what do you think is an obstacle? going to have some roving mics coming around the auditorium. So if you've got a great dream and what's your obstacle, just uh, in a moment I'm going to have you raise your hand and we have uh, three people that are going to have some mics and be able to float. If you've got a great one already, raise your hand, and we have three guys that are going to roam, and they'll find you. So if you've got a good one, raise your hand. Okay, i got someone, if you can get one guy down here in the front. David? Or... Okay, Rick Bradford's got one over here. There's one over here in the front, David. Just hang on, just hang on to him for a second. And Tom Crick's over here, so find one over there. If someone's got an idea. Tom, we got a guy over here in the red shirt. Okay, Rick, let's hear the, the gentleman right there. Um, we need to have a, a coffee house format at our church uh -huh. so that people can come and, and sit and mingle and, and just talk about where they're at. Okay. And one of our problems about that is uh, not having the property to do it. Okay, so you want to kind of dream about that one piece, or is that something that's already happening? No, it's not happening, All but right. I'd like to see it happen. Very cool. Very good. Okay, go ahead. I'm in a church that uh, is about 200 people, and I'm the pastor. And about a year ago, we began small groups after six to nine months of preparation and 40 days of purpose, et cetera, and feel relatively good about those. But the dream is that every, every single church member, every single, every single attender would be in a small group to connect with other people. The barrier is that we, this is a sacrilegious thing to say in this setting, but in our church, we have a few key people who are anti-purpose driven, anti-Rick Warren, anti the whole deal. And so Me I too. have struggles with that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I know where they're coming so from. Overcoming those barriers is a bit, it's a bit of a challenge for us. Yeah. The thing I would say for you, th those of you that are running into a situation with him, don't, don't get hung up on purpose driven. Don't get hung up on Rick Warren. Get hung up on Jesus. This move away from Rick Dis has a he's a brilliant man on how to frame stuff that Jesus, you know, already put out in the Bible. So push him back to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Now, if you have problems with that, then you got a different issue in your church. Uh, so uh, you know, it's probably a Baptist one. Uh, but uh, what I encourage you to do is stick stick with the Bible. Okay, then Tom, you have one over here. Um, I'm asked in a, a church, a little church in Holland. Uh -huh. And uh, there are no small groups at all. And it's a regional church, and so they're uh, saying, uh, we can't meet in a small group together because we are living so far apart. So my dream is uh, uh, to, uh, to help them to uh, get in a small group. But, uh, yeah, how to do that? That's my question here in the, in the okay. 
conference. And, and for those of you that are wanting to start small groups, one of the best things you can do is 40 days of purpose or 40 days of community. They're self-contained and, and ready to, to get things through. Now, what I want you to do is think through what would be the action step. Here's the dream. Here's the barrier. Now, what I want you to do is think of, and you may do table discussion here, you know, get some people in that, but what would be the action step for you? Like for this, this gentleman over here, it'd be like maybe do a 40 days of purpose campaign and trying to get that, that going through. For you, maybe you're the senior, so you could do the, the campaign too. Start to brainstorm what would be some action steps around your table or up in the bleachers there or down in the Spanish venue. Think through what would be some of the action steps you can, and then I'm going to bring you back. You've been listening to a recording from a small group conference hosted by Steve Gladen at Saddleback Church. Don't forget to check out the planning resources in the show notes as well as the supplementary videos. Also, the full video from the session is available for all Access subscribers, along with unlimited churchwide access to courses, digital events, and half-off all conferences and in-person events for you and everyone at your church. Check it out at smallgroupnetwork.com. And thanks for listening.